Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The NBA and college basketball are back. The NFL playoffs are right around the corner. With all these sports going on, there are plenty of bets to lock in. So if you're thinking about picking the Lakers to repeat their NBA championship or someone to upset Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs, you need to go to betonline.ag. As for that, uh, I actually think uh, now is a great time to pick the Chiefs again. People are kind of hopping on other people's bandwagons, Green Bay, Buffalo. The Chiefs are still plus 210 to win the Super Bowl. And when you got a guy like Pat Mahomes who never seems to come up short, I think I still think that's a great bet. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Support for our pod is brought to you also by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Now, uh, men, the men out there, I'm sure you, you know, we all know it can get very tricky, uh, down there in terms of trimming. If you're just using an ordinary, uh, shaving <laughs> device, uh, but Manscaped, uh, you know, is very, very smooth. I can tell you from experience. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code BROS, B-R-O-S, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code BROS, B-R-O-S. Welcome to another version of Bill Roden on Sports. I'm speaking to you on this, uh, well, the story will be, this will be published on Friday, but we're taping it Thursday. Uh, and I'm, I'm got to tell you, I'm at a super undisclosed location today, man, because mm. these crazy motherfuckers up here, Jack, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know. It's real out there. Oh, man. No, I mean, you know, really, you know, I'm sure we'll get into this shit, but, you know, I'm speaking to you and uh, I'm up here. I shouldn't even say direction. I'm just here. Uh, Jamal, we got a really nice crew today. Uh, got the great Jamal Murphy holding it down. Murph, what's happening, man? What's up, Bill? Holding it down in Brooklyn. And like you said, it's, uh, it's, it's real out here. A lot going on. Um, we'll see. We'll see where we go from here. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, of course, uh, always a pleasure to have the wonderful Aaron Mathewson uh, in the house from uh, – Washington Heights slash Harlem, freshly back from Albuquerque. Happy New Year, Aaron. Happy New Year. It's good to be back. Yeah. That's it? <laughs> oh, look at that. Got the TV. Got the TV in the background. Wow. That's how I watched the protests yesterday, or the riots. It was great. Oh, yeah. And, of course, uh, a great friend and a very special guest, uh, one of the most talented uh, journalists I know in our business. Uh, the great Jason Reed, 
He's a uh, senior writer, covers the NFL for uh, The Undefeated, veteran of the Washington Post, LA Times, which is when I met him way back in the day. Uh, somebody I really, really respect and like, by the way. Uh, <laughs> <That's good. laughs> yeah, no, Jason's a great guy. Uh, we really got to know each other, really. I mean, we bumped, we bumped, you know, we'd always bump into each other and make around the, the post, but really I got to know Jason when we became colleagues uh, mm -hmm. at the, uh, uh, at the undefeated. So anyway, Jason, welcome. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. You know, I know Erin has a picture behind her that she don't want to show us, but my picture behind me is of Ebbets Field mm. in, in, you know, in, in, in Brooklyn when the Dodgers played there. So I don't mind showing you my pictures unlike Erin. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy Hendricks, I'm wondering what that, yeah, I thought that's a perfectly great message, but that's okay. We're not going to, no, it is. I thought you meant like you wanted me to turn my screen to see like the, like, oh, the, the, rest, of the yeah. rest of the apartment. Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. no. Well, that's the beauty of like uh, in uh, Zoom. You can just show people what you want them to see. <laughs> you know, they'd be like, oh, I have oh. Jimi Hendrix. I'm not yeah. hiding. Yeah. <laughs> August 4th, Purple Haze. Anyway, listen, there's so much to unpack. And uh, I got to tell you, I know, um, Aaron, you watched everything happening yesterday. I, I, I listen, I listen to a lot of radio and I listen, but man, I, and, and, you know, I guess we're all cynical journals or we think we're hardened, but um, I'd like to get each of your, and Jason, we start with you, man. Just, uh, I was really just, it was like a bummer, man, to watch this shit. Uh, and, uh, but just, I'd like to get everybody just first reaction. Jason, what was your reaction uh, to watching a science fiction? Well, you know, I don't think anyone, if you've been alive the last five years in this country, should be surprised that right. that's where we wound up yesterday. Right. I mean, this has been coming ever since ever since he came down the escalate. Right. Um, you know, so I, I wasn't surprised. And I, I think that, you know, I, I look at it through the lens of like being a, a, a father, you know, of, of a young, uh, two young black children, one who's a 13-year-old black boy. And, you know, I tweeted about this yesterday, how, you know, my son, we were talking about it in the car, and he's been talking to me a lot more about policing, you know, ever since what he saw with George Floyd and some other things. And um, so, you know, yesterday when you see an officer backing up from protesters, basically begging them to stop coming up the stairs, when you see officers opening the door to let protesters out, when you see them taking selfies, like... You know, they talked about the fact that last night they went back into the building to complete the uh, the certification of Biden's win. If that had been a predominantly black crowd, they couldn't have gone back into that building because it would have been blood all over the floor. Right. There would have been, right. there would have been dead bodies to take out of there. So, you know, what, what really struck me was just that we know there's a double standard, okay? Right. Right. But the double standard has never been on more display for America on video than it was yesterday. Right. Because if that had been a Black Lives Matter crowd, if that had been a predominantly, if there had been a lot more melanin in that crowd, there would have been bodies all over that place. And I defy anyone to tell me different. Right, right, right. What, what, do, what do you think, Aaron? I mean, what was your reaction to this? Well, I mean, echoing everything Jason just said. Um, I mean, I woke up yesterday morning waiting to hear the results of what happened in, in Georgia. Exactly, uh, exactly. The day started off great. Yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, the first black senator from Georgia. Then we find out the first Jewish senator from Georgia is elected. It's, you know, historic. And they got about five minutes of time. And then all of a sudden it was like, are you watching what's happening on 
and it, I was just looking at it in disbelief. Um, and kind of, and piggybacking off what Jason said, I just couldn't help but think of uh, Tamir Rice and how quickly, like, he had a toy gun and there was like five seconds. And I, you know, it's not that I wanted those the, those the rioters to be shot. I don't think they. Sh- I don't think you should shoot people like like I, I wish uh, law enforcement would act like that intentionally with everyone. Um, but it just was like. Were you all not afraid? Every, every time a black person's killed, oh, I feared for my life. Were you not afraid? No. Oh, no. No, you can tell. Jamal, same thing, your reaction, man. But don't you think that there was a connection between what happened in Georgia in the morning and then what happened in D.C. Uh, a, a few hours later? You know, it, it just cementing in, in, in this, the whole white privilege is that this shit is shrinking, man. I mean that you no longer, those people, you no longer can determine the electorate. You no longer can, you know, anyway, but go ahead. Yeah, no, I think, I think there was a connection uh, as far as the rioters go. I don't know if there was a connection as far as Trump goes, because I don't think he really cared about, about what happened in Georgia. He's, you know, he's just worried about himself, and he would have called for that kind of action regardless uh, of what happened in Georgia. But no, I, I mean, I agree with Jason. I mean, that's the, that's the, as a black man, a black person, that's the first thing that jumped out to me was the, was the way this all went down. Um, I, you know, I couldn't believe, you know, I'm watching live and I see all these people rushing up, up, you know, the Capitol steps. And I'm like, how is this possible? I mean, with, when Black Lives Matter, you know, had their demonstrations, it would have, it would have been impossible. I mean, they would have, you know, they, they had people in riot gear, you know, for like three people walking down the street. You know, it didn't matter. You know, all all stores were shut down beforehand. So I think, I mean, it's, it's in, it was impossible not to not to get that visual and see, you know, see the difference. And it was just the epitome of white privilege. That's that's just what stuck out to me. Like, wow. Like, and and like you said, that was one of the most bothered bothersome things I saw was the was the black cop running away uh, from from a white mob. You know, to, to doing anything he could not to harm them and, and get himself harmed you know what i'm saying which is and i've seen similar similar things before in terms of you know after george floyd happened you would see the contrast of how uh white cops handle you know unruly white people and they do that same thing they run they'll do anything not not to use their not to use deadly force they'll run away you know they'll, they'll hide in their own police car you know what i'm saying in order to avoid using force against other white people and, and that's, but, 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 and that's so not I, the case for black people all right, but Jason, I mean, okay, because I wanted to even begin the show. So, okay, let's not begin with the obvious, okay? The obvious is, yeah, okay, we know that if those were black people, we, we know that. We know that. I mean, we know there's a double standard where there's, you know, uh, you know, you've worked at the Post, and I've worked at the Times. You worked, I mean, we know that you got to be two or three times better. We know that there's a double standard that's written into the damn foundation of this nation. And to, you know, so we know that. So we know, yeah, if there's a lot of black people. So the question is, and also we know that within these police departments, these police departments are shellacked with white supremacists. You know, there's even some speculation about the what they call the fifth column, and that that basically aided and abetted this stuff. You know, so the question is, how do we combat this? How do we combat this? Uh, how did our you know, how did your grandfather? And my, how, you know, in other words, we we've all had relatives. We've lived through this. 
you know, whether it's 1954 and remember to turn on TV and there's, you know, the police, to, you know, turning dogs and so how do we, Jason, I mean, how do we, how do we combat this, man? I mean, what, you know, what are your thoughts? How, how do we deal with this? How do we fight back or not fight back? Well, I, I, I think we draw a straight line to, to, to circle back to how we started. I think we can draw a straight line from those victories, those Senate runoff victories in, in Georgia to what happened because they're so pissed that all the voter suppression is no longer working right. and that black folk actually decided, well, no, we're going to do this. And so I think we do, I think we lean on people like Stacey Abrams and, and, and the organizers who have said, okay, this is what we need to do to increase our political power. Right. And I think that's the key here. I mean, I think that, that when you see that, you know, when, when the president-elect comes out and says, I owe black people for getting me in office, then, I, then we, there's an expectation, I think, that we're going to have policies and legislation that is going to improve the, 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 the ability for black folk to live in this country. I mean, I think that that's the expectation. So I think how we have to fight this is, we're not going to win by fighting with with our our fists or with guns. We're not going to win that. We have to win by turning more of these states of color in terms of the electorate that will allow us to be able to thrive in this country. So I think that's how we fight against it. Right, right, right. Yeah. And well, yeah, along, yeah, I would yeah, say yeah. along along those lines, I I think that that what happened, I mean, is almost was almost inevitable. I mean, for if if we if we are going to improve our, you know, our our situation in this country, it's almost a, I, in some ways, a good sign that because that was going to happen at some point. If if black people are going to improve their their lives in this country, there we know that there are a lot of people wholeheartedly against that, you know, to their core. So the fact that we saw this type of backlash must mean that we are making some some bit of progress well and it's crazy did you guys see the um the football coach at ut chattanooga and what he said about stacy abrams who's accusing her of cheating again i was like what can you just give her her flowers good luck with that well you saw what he said about her too about you know talking about somebody like uh, yeah Enjoy the buffet, the buffet or oh, something yeah. like that it's like but but yeah. think about how powerful so he could make some racist tweet against the woman who has done all she's done to just bring more people into the voting process. Yeah, there's so many things. I mean, let's stay with the coach at, at YouTube. And, and this is why I've just been even so disgusted with the whole college football thing. You've covered, you look, to me, that's the ultimate plantation. You know, you, you look at this guy working with all these black players You're right. there. And, and even you look at, uh, you know, Ohio State playing Alabama. And you got all these brothers, man, I mean, you know, all these black guys. And I, I would really be willing to bet you, if you take a poll of all those coaches, Saban, Urban Meyer, Dabo Sweeney, all those guys, man, I'd be willing to bet you in the power five, the vast majority of these coaches, probably the ADs and all that, are probably not only Republicans, but probably Trump Republicans, you know. And and yet you've got them with all these young black guys, and, and to me it's just uh, it's just uh, disgraceful. But again, you know, Aaron, where, where do you where do you think we go from uh, from from this point? I mean, what personally? Let's put it at a personal 
level because we could talk generally. But but from what you've seen, and Jason, I think you brought up a great point because you know remember when Malcolm Jenkins and those guys and we were talking about legislation. And uh, legislation, come on. I mean, what you, but you're absolutely right that legislation is probably the thing that has been our salvation, marching in unison and salvation. But Aaron, so what do you think personally? Where you know where are you going to go from here? I mean, I Puerto Rico exactly. Um, I mean, I'd like to continue the conversation about you know how what we want police to be in this country. It's like. I I want to see law enforcement treat people humanely, no matter what you look like. Um, so I don't I don't want I I feel like yesterday those the, um, the rioters didn't get whatever whatever happened. I feel like uh, the law enforcement was caught off guard, and I feel like that's largely why there weren't more there wasn't more chaos. Um, and I just wish it was more intentional that people weren't you know shot or beaten or you know stuff like that i mean that's that's actually a good point i think i forgot who said early on that okay if that's the norm if that's the norm then no fine right you know um but i don't know if that could actually i don't know i mean that seems pollyannish you know uh, at, at, at this point i thought it was i thought it was you know th- this whole thing like you said aaron i started the day off in a great mm-hmm. mood because i never thought that you know, okay, we are happy about Biden and Harris. I mean, if you like Biden Harris, <laughs> you know, people were, you know, but you thought, man, our hands are tied because you still got Mitch McConnell, you still got this, and they're going to say, no, 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 no. And as well, the only shot is to get this runoff. And I really got to give the WNBA players a lot of credit, man, because nobody knew, nobody knew about Warnock, exactly. you know, in August of last year, right? I don't know if any. He, he was. He... He was polling at nine percent before he went in. Right, and I said I've said a couple of times that's the first I ever heard of Warnock was when they put those shirts right. on. Right, um, you know, and I'm you know I try to keep up with politics. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I'm like really like the so they the WNBA you know woke me up as you know right. as far as that that race was concerned. Right, as I and can, can we and can we give a shout out to Black women in sports? Right. Yeah, all right, Black Black women in sports who have been at the forefront. Of the protest movement. That's right. I mean, look at what look at what Naomi was doing at doing the tennis stuff. Right. Look at what the WNBA right. players have been doing. And and I and I love the fact that black women who have been among the most marginalized and among the most just just uh, the, the horrendous treatment they've received historically in this country, and black women are are just leading the game right now on overturning the systemic oppression institutions that have been keeping their foot on our necks. That's right. That's right. Curry. I, I don't mean to get preachy, but I'm getting yeah. a little preachy yeah, right now. Preachy, continue. I mean, you look at Stacey Abrams. Right. I mean, she should she should run for president. I mean, was, I mean, you know what she? I think she may have singly. You know, we talked about the WNBA. The WNBA consulted with her. Right. She was on their board. I mean, Stacey Abrams is, is is marvelous. Now I'm glad in a way that she did not run. You know, because if she ran, she would have been kind of in that vortex, you know, kind of in a box. But with her being able to operate like that, man, what she did to 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 motivate that, and you know, probably Texas, Texas is going to be next, you know. But so, but what does that? What do you what do you guys think that means? And Jason, I want to talk to you about the NFL 
because I am curious about what do you think the reaction is going to be in Wait, stock. Can I, can I just say, yeah. Um, yeah. Elizabeth oh, yeah. Williams, yeah. Laisha Clarendon, so yeah. many women were, it's awesome. Atlanta Dream, shout out to you guys. Yeah, we had, we had Elizabeth Williams on the show, just mm -hmm. so you'll know. You know uh, right, fact, and, 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 she, and she and other black women will tell you that they were so quick to step up because they're so used to this treatment. I mean, they, they get it worse than anybody else. They're marginalized from the beginning. The WNBA itself is a you know marginalized sport. They don't get the credit they deserve. So this is so speaking out is probably is part of the culture for them for them. So they, and they're kind of showing us the way. I wonder how we reward them because I mean, there's sort of a, it's a it's it's a tough battle. The WNBA is a tough battle because they're up against the, the NBA, mm -hmm. and that's that's hard. But they have to be acknowledged. That league has to thrive just for what they've done, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, you know, and, and you look at it, everything that the dream did, and then they've got to go overseas and play, right? Right. you know, they got to go overseas to make a living. And I was always thought that maybe the, the NBA can do something, whether subsidized, I, I don't know, I, you know, again, I'm, I'm not at the point, but do something so that that league is vi financially viable. But Culturally, I mean, that's another issue. Culturally, how you get them at the popularity base of the NBA, I don't know. I don't know how to how Well, to LeBron that. was talking about forming an ownership group. I don't know how serious he is. And Mookie Betts, I think, got in on it. So that could be really fascinating to watch. Yeah, yeah. How so you, it's a, it's still going? a young league, too. Well, you know, you know, that's a great point. Because if you look at the, w, the, the NBA... I guess really formally started like 1948 or 49. So if you really do the math, it's still a relatively young league. And the, and the WNBA only started in what, I think 90, like 19, whatever. What, uh, early 90s, what, like 96. Yeah, it's a relatively young league, you know. Right. Um, but you know, you, you mentioned the power. Jason, what, what do you, you know, we've written, we've written about this from the, the context of the black quarterback, but man, I, I, I don't want to be premature, but it does seem that that black folks in the NFL are beginning to become aware of their, I don't know if you want to call it power or or something, but have you seen that? Because you talk to these guys all the time. You're, you're, that, that is your environment. Yeah, Bill, I, I definitely think that there's definitely a, um, a feeling of understanding more what they're capable of. I mean, you know, you look at that video that the players put out after the George Floyd situation, and it and the league jumped. You know, the league the league was like, okay, well, Black Lives Matter, and and we're going to change our position on the protest movement. And when the season kicked off, they they talked about being a partner in ending racism, and you know, they sang the the Black National Anthem was really the Negro National Anthem. But you, you know, so so right. and people will say, well, those are just gestures. Well, they're gestures that I never saw thought would ever come. And the gestures that were right. done to signify, hey, we're listening. Now, it's like anything else. The ultimate results are going to matter in what the league does in terms of hiring. Are we going to see more black general managers? Right. Are we going to see more black head coaches? Um, right. But right. I definitely think that the players do have an understanding of the power that they have. NFL is 70, about 70% black. The, the, the top quarterbacks in the game now, with very few exceptions, are black. 
So, yeah, I think these things resonate. Do you think that what we've seen in the NFL with black quarterbacks, I like to, I like to talk about the playoffs, you know, uh, let's get into some distractions, man, some much needed distractions. Um, do you think that what we've seen from black quarterbacks is going to increase? Do you think that that trajectory is going to increase? So let's say in the next 15 years, black quarterbacks will be like the defense. Yeah, in the I, mean, no, I, I do. I mean, you, know, you look at Patrick Mahomes is so young. Lamar Jackson is so young. Deshaun Watson is so young. He didn't make it last year, but I mean, excuse me, he, the Texans didn't make it this year, but they made it last year. Dak Prescott's coming back. Kyler Murray made the Pro Bowl this year, and he he went to the last game of the season to and, and just missed out on the playoffs. Um, you've got kids coming from college. Jalen Hurts might be the quarterback in Philly next year. So I, I think that when we look at the, the black quarterback in the NFL now, yeah, you know, as opposed to back in the day when, yeah, there were a couple of star black quarterbacks, Randall, uh, Warren, Mike Vick had, had his moment. Doug Williams obviously had a great moment in the Super Bowl. You have these black quarterbacks now. Of the, of the six Pro Bowl quarterbacks, four of them are African-American for the last two years in a row. Um, the, you know, the reigning Super Bowl MVP is a black quarterback. So I do think that the, we are at a, a dawn of a new era where these black quarterbacks are running the game. Now, this year, uh, Patrick Mahomes will probably finish second in the MVP to Aaron Rodgers. But let's see what happens in the playoffs. Right, right, right. right. Uh, oh, by the way, Aaron, Aaron pointed out that the WNBA was founded it, it was formed in 1997. Um, so, I mean, you look at it, you know, 24 years, you know, the NBA, 1948, 24 years, like still in 1972. And in 1972, the NBA was still, the right. playoffs still weren't on prime time. Take I mean, they, delay. They were being tape delay. Yeah, it was so, magic, you know, magic and bird. That was that was the era that, that kind of where the NBA kind of took off. I, I I remember having I remember having to stay up late to to watch the tape delay. <laughs> wow, that's right. I mean, so yeah, I mean, who who would have thought, man? You know, so all these things uh, in time. Jason, let me take let me take you back to to the uh, the hiring of uh, NFL black coaches and GMs. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we have some openings. You wrote you wrote an article in the Undefeated about this a couple of days ago. Um, there are some there are some openings uh, for coach and GM spots, all, you know, all over the league. Uh, we we lo- uh, Anthony Lynn was fired from the Chargers. Um, you make you make the point that in order for this to, things to really change, there has to be a detailed plan uh, to attain better hiring practices, um, and almost like you know, like we need to be speci- we need to be specific about what we want to do. Um, not be afraid to throw throw numbers out there. You know, because because quotas are the thing that people. You know, it's like it's like the the boogeyman. Like you know, you never want to be heard saying quotas. What what's your feeling on, you know, what do we really need to do, uh, to 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 get more black coaches and and GMs and presidents hired? Yeah, Jamal. I mean, I, I you know, when I, when I wrote that piece, it, it just struck me that the Rooney Rule went in was implemented in two thousand and three. So we're talking about you know going on what almost twenty years now since that you know, 18 years since that rule has been in effect and you know the the number of head coaches uh, you know minority head coaches fluctuates between four and eight every year well okay right. we're, we're almost 20 years in what is the league trying to accomplish okay and yeah the league has never wanted to put hard numbers um because like you said people will talk about quotas and that's why i tried to make it clear in my piece I'm not saying that there should be quotas. I'm not saying there should be set-asides 
for African-American or coaches of color and executives. So I'm saying if the league is 70% black, and if the players are 70% black and there are 32 teams and you're saying the league has said this, that the league has said that we're not doing well enough, we've got to do better. Okay, if you say you're doing better, then that means there's a problem. And if there's 70% black players and 32 teams, all my proposals just say what you think is a good number, lay out a timeline to get there, and just say how you're going to get there. And, you know, people who are against diversity and inclusion, whenever they hear numbers, they want to say, you're talking quotas, you're talking quote. No, a quota is saying this is what you have to, that you, you mandate that these teams hire you. No, I'm just saying, if it's 32 teams, where are you trying to get to? Okay, because after 18 years, I think it's fair to say it's not working. You acknowledge it's not working. So maybe change and let us know what you think would work. And that's what, it. Do, what do you think? What do yeah, you yeah, what do you yeah. think would be a number? Like if I ask myself, I'm like, okay, I'm not, you know, just out of the blue, I'm like, oh, half, you know, uh, it's still less than the percentage of players there are. But what 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 number do you think is fair? Forget what would work, what will happen. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I, I, okay. And I, and I actually sat down and did this. All right, there are 32 GM positions and there are 32 head coach positions. The league is 70% African American. Well, if you have 64 top tier positions in coaching and management and football operations management, 32? Would it, would it, would it be like just preposterous to say that of the 64 head coaching and GM positions, have at least an aspirational goal to have half of those filled by people of color. I'm not saying all black people could be Latino, but, 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 but people, people but Jason, of color. So, okay, this, yeah. So I'm the, I'm the owner, you know, I'm the owner of the fucking Jacksonville Jaguars, probably a Republican, probably a Trump supporter, you know, and, and again, I, I keep having this image of all those people at the Capitol, you know, and, and, and all these, Mostly white people. There's some black people there, and I like to ask. I like to get into that too. There's some black faces in there. I, I'm totally yeah. puzzled. But if you know, so how are you going to tell me I'm this multi-billionaire, you know, kind of Republican Trump support? And, and who's going to be the who's going to be the owners to hire the black guy? I said, well, you know, and again, you're looking at all this stuff. So well, we can't get any jobs in the NFL. I mean, we can't virtually on the playing field. We can't play defense. We probably can't be cornerback. Barely can be, can't really be running backs anymore. Now y'all taking over quarterback. You know, I'm even looking at the offensive line, which used to be our thing. So you mean we're going to permanently be resigned to punting and being punters and kickers? You know, the only thing we really got is being the head coach, being, you know, in the executive suite and being in the broadcast booth. So, So I may not tell you this. But I'm, this is what I'm thinking, you know. So I said, "What now? We go. We going to. We gonna have 16 blackhead. You know, am I going to be the one? So what are you? Yeah. No, I, real Bill, I totally hear what you said, Bill. I totally hear what you're saying, and that's why I said aspirational, right. like because the reality of it is, and I've had I've had coaches tell me this that they've interviewed with owners who have told them, well, you know, if I give you this job, you're gonna hire all these all, all these other black coaches, like you know." Well, what what jobs would there be for people like me? And you know, it, I I I liken it to when Obama won the White House, and white people were so out of their minds, afraid that he was going to staff every position with black people. Okay, well, he didn't do that. Why didn't he do that? Because 
he because I think he realized that that is going to be counterproductive to me trying to accomplish the things I want to accomplish. Because if if if, if white people are so up in arms, angry that they feel they've been excluded completely, you're going to have to deal with that. So when I, you know, when Jamal asked me the question, what do I think would be fair? And I said, okay, 64 total in between those two 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 positions, half. I I don't think we'd reach half, but I think that's a good aspirational goal. Yeah. If do we reach a third of that? You know, do do we do we reach a a situation where okay, there are you know eight head coaches um, and eight general managers every year? I mean, that would be a lot more than we have right now. Yeah. You know, um, but but I, I do think it's look what you bring up, Bill. It's it's an ownership problem. Yeah, it's owners looking at black men and you know what, what was the public great public enemy album back in the day fear of a black planet like that's yeah. real and that's going on in the nfl yeah too. And, and again i keep going back to the capital because like you said at the very beginning jason that's the manifestation of a of a deep rooted problem in this nation of people who think that this is a white quote unquote man's country there are people they, they believe that and you saw down there in dc you had a lot of confederate flags you know, they say, we're taking back our country. Now, the reality is that that's just not going to happen. I mean, uh, you know, because you got black folks marrying white folks and white folks. It was, it was just so thing. But to me, that is, if you, if you want to use the NFL as a, as, a, as a metaphor or a microcosm, that's kind of the issues. Damn, you know, if we hire all these, and, and by the way, Obama, a lot of people are pissed off with Obama, mm -hmm. too, mm -hmm. by, by the way. You know, like. No doubt. No, and, no and, doubt. And that yeah. always happens to us. It's like, okay, I get the job as a black head coach. Now they were looking at me. Don't, yeah. don't, Roden, don't you do what we do. You know, don't, you know, so I'm like, well, shit. I want to hire Jason. I want to hire Aaron. And I want to hire Jamal. These are, I know them, I trust them. Yeah, no, you can't, <laughs> can't do that, you know. So, yeah. you know, we kind of fucking handcuff. I, well, I, I, I hired Jamal. I don't know about Aaron. Wow. Shots fired. You know, you know that, Jason, you know, he starts off being wounded, and then when Aaron ain't looking, kaboom! <laughs> well, anyway, we'd like, we like to bring in our next guest. Who, uh, <laughs> Oh, so, so to everyone wrong, but Jason, what about Eric Bieniemy? What What do you think about his chances? Go ahead, Jason. <laughs> but Jason, but Jason got to answer the question because yeah, he yeah. he's, he's the expert. Yeah. So okay. yeah, right. what do yeah what about Bieniemy? Obviously, Bieniemy should have should have been a co head coach already. If you know, if he were white, doesn't he, he would have been a head coach already? Let's just be honest. Um, but I'm assuming he gets a, he gets a spot this year. You have any feeling one way or other, or where exactly he might land? Well, well, here's the thing, Jamal. Eric is a big thing with me because Eric holds the same job that Doug Peterson right. of the Philadelphia Eagles and Matt Nagy of the Chicago Bears held on Andy Reid's staff, offense coordinator. And Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy both went on to become head coaches faster. Excuse me, both went on to become head coaches, and neither one of those guys help Andy Reid develop an, an MVP quarterback and a Super Bowl winning MVP quarterback. So the Eric thing really bothers me. Here's the thing. I will be shocked if he doesn't get a job this year because I think there's so much internal pressure on the NFL because 
you have a, a, a young offensive coordinator who's had the success he has. If Eric Bieniemy were white, he would already be a head coach. There's just, there's just, there's just no way around right. it. But, you know, let me ask you this, though. I mean, uh, I'm not sure who I was talking about this, but, you know, you know, uh, the enemy has, you know, certain familiar, you know, family things. With this and what happens if he says, you know what, um, and particularly if they pay me damn near like a head coach. This is a great system. I know uh, uh, Reed is not, Andy's not going to be here forever, you know. Um, why not just kind of stay here, really develop my craft? And so when, when Andy Reed does retire, because Eric is what? Eric is probably what? He may be like maybe 50, maybe. If, if I don't even know if he's 50, but um, the point is, I mean, what do you guys think about that? That sometimes you say, you know, I'm not going to go to a job that's just terrible, the Jets or something like that, you know? Uh, if Andy, he's he's fifty one. He's fifty one. Okay, though. so he's fifty one years old. Um, what do you think about that? He said, "Listen, you know, I've had talks. I don't know if he's had talk with Andy Reid, but you know, I said maybe I'll be the next head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. I'll have a a a a twenty eight twenty eight year old Pat Mahomes have a great team. What do you think? I mean, is there something to be said for getting well, the right it, job? It, it, well, yeah, there's a lot to be said for getting the right job because we don't get recycled." Right. The same way the white coaches right. do, but he, but my question is, are you sure he's going to get the job? Well, that's got to be a promise. I mean, it's got to be. Well, what, 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 but but you know, promises are only worth so much. You know, what happens if if uh, you know Hunt, the owner of the uh, Chiefs, is like, ah, you know what? Like um, Bill Belichick, who was retired for a couple of years, now wants to get back into it. Like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, unless it's in writing. Right. I don't know if I don't know if Eric Bieniemy can count on that. I just I just don't know. If, and here's the thing: what if Andy Reid coaches another five right. years? Well, now Eric Bieniemy is 56, 57 years old. Right. You're right. And you're what right. if he doesn't get the right. job? I think I think it's a I, theoretically. I get what you're saying, and I'd much rather be Eric Bieniemy with a young Patrick Mahomes than go someplace where you got Joe Schmo quarterback right. who can't throw the ball and shoot dumb <laughs> right. at the same time. Because because in the NFL you can't win without an elite quarterback. Right. It's just that right. simple. And, so, and you kind of have to, you, you know, when you're hot, you got to make a move because, you know, he could stay five more years with Andy Reid and then, you know, Mahomes could get hurt and they could, they could not be that good. And he doesn't. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And who's the brother in Tampa Bay? What do you think about? Um, oh, my man, Byron, Byron Leffler. What do you think about Byron? And I, I yeah, I mean, yeah. What do you think about Byron? I'm, oh, I, I think you'll probably, I mean, I, I would be, he's in his second year as the offense coordinator. Um, they had success. I, I, I think they'll beat the Washington football team in, in, in the opening round game. I, I mean, he should get some looks, but will he is the question. Right, right. Speak, speaking about Washington, uh, the Washington football team, what, what, what's your take on um, Dwayne Haskins and what, and what happened with Haskins? Yeah, you know, I wrote about Haskins. Haskins was an unfortunate situation. Young man, very immature. Yeah. Um, you know, didn't do the things he needed to do. Having said that, also went into a toxic situation where the head coach he was drafting and didn't want him, and then the next head coach took him on. But it was like you know he was already you know you get you start off on the wrong foot in a situation like that. It's going to be difficult right. to overcome. And then he also hurt himself by doing blockhead stuff. Yeah. So unfortunate situation, but but at the end of the day, it wasn't going to work. He needed to okay. go. Hey, uh, in, in, the, in the few minutes that we have left, uh, I do want to talk some playoffs. Uh, 
you know, it's been, I've, it's been, I've had this, this, this metamorphosis, man, you know, from going from killing fans and over the years of my career of killing, particularly white fans about using sports as an escape. So, you know, ah, you use this as an escape. That's why you like, it, it seems like through the most part of this guy's presidency and every morning you wake up to just some more shit that's just worse and worse. I'm saying, you know what? Let me tune into NFL radio. <laughs> Let me just listen to something about nothing, you know? So sometimes there is a thing about, let's talk ball for, for, for a minute. Um, are you excited about, A, are you excited about the playoffs? And do you think that whoever wins the Super Bowl uh, should be given an even tougher, a better medal of honor or lesser? The kind of the same question we asked about the NBA. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, the COVID pandemic has made everything much more difficult. And, you know, winning the Super Bowl this year, winning the Super Bowl in any year is a major achievement, obviously. But I think it, it's more so this year, uh, just because of everything that these teams had to navigate. Uh, I do think that, that you know, in terms of being excited, I always like the playoffs. It's always a, a really fun time of year. Um, it's different without fans, obviously. Uh, in most of these stadiums, and um, this is the first playoffs in a very long time. I mean, I uh, that I can remember where I won't be traveling anywhere, so I'm excited to watch it on TV. But it's definitely different. Yeah, I, I miss that too. And Johnny I was thinking this year, you know, I think, damn, you know, I like playoffs too. I like the playoff atmosphere. The competition is better. But who do you like uh, in the in, in the playoffs? Uh, what's that? My brother who lives in Germany is just a you know, just die how we grew up in Chicago. And Gerard still is a Bears. I mean, he just, you know, breathes with the Chicago Bears. So let's start with the uh, NFC. What do you, who do you like in the NFC? I, I mean, Packers have home field. I like them. Um, I, I, I think, go, you know, even though there are no fans in the stands, having to go to Green Bay, yeah, just, I've had right. to go there a couple of games. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a different experience, man, especially when it's cold. So, yeah, I, I, I like Green Bay, um, you know, coming out of there. A lot of people in the AFC are high on the Bills right now with what they've been doing offensively. They still got to go to KC, and until somebody knocks off the champ, I'm still going to believe in the champ getting there. So I, I still see a, a, a Green Bay-KC Super Bowl. For, and, I, and I would love to see it to see, you know, Mahomes and Rodgers duke it out the whole game and – Best man win. Mm-hmm. Do you like? Do you like the new format with with the extra the extra playoff team? Man, I always like football. You know, um, you know, I know the, the toll it takes on these guys' bodies, but if they get more money, more power to mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And who's who's your MVP? I, I mean, Rogers statistically has it. Um, the only thing I my only. Uh, Kind of, I don't know, not not disappointment. That's the right way to put it. But the one thing I do look at is that the the Chiefs went undefeated on the road this year, and you know they finished fourteen and two. But Mahomes took the last game off. They were fourteen and one, and I I do think going undefeated on the road there's something significant about that in terms of all the other statistics. But I think Rodgers is probably going to get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure Mahomes Mahomes is going to try to get the one in the Super Bowl. <laughs> right. Well, I want to see. I want to see two black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl, either two black quarterbacks or a black quarterback and a black coach in the Super Bowl. So I guess that limits me to what Pittsburgh 
Pittsburgh and either, well, so Pittsburgh and Russell Baltimore. Wilson, right? Well, if Pittsburgh in the Super Bowl and a black quarterback, that has to be Russell Wilson. Russell. Right. Russell right. yeah. And I'd love to see Russell Wilson. I, I would really love to see Russell Wilson win, win, a, win a championship and actually get that, you know, I think get the, the proper due, uh, whatever that, whatever that means. Uh, hey, listen, uh, last thing before we let everybody go. I think this is our first thing since the, uh, since the new year. So could everybody just go around the horn? And yes, this is a cliche. But given everything that's happened in the last 24 hours, but everything that happened last year, could each of you just talk about your aspirations for 2021? A couple things that uh, you'd like to say. Let's start with Aaron and then uh, Jamal, and then we'll, we'll, we'll end with our our guest, the great Jason Reed. I just hope that, you know, the conversations that began after the protests around George Floyd and everyone, I just hope they keep going. Like, I know I've been kind of waiting, like, when are people going to get tired of these conversations? And I just hope we don't get tired and, and we start looking for to be innovative. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, I want to see a continuance of what we started to see uh, towards the end of 2020. Uh, ever since the George Floyd, more you know, more people speaking out uh, in sports and in general, right writers, uh, you know, being you know being louder about you know what's right in the world, uh, more more black people getting opportunities, uh, more black people uh, continuing to to take part in the process, like we saw in Georgia. Uh, you know, I don't want to see any backtracking from that. I would love to to really see that be a catalyst where you know in you know in twenty twenty one it's not an issue, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're involved and we're here to stay. So I just look for, you know, a continuance of the, of the small steps we took in 2020. Yeah. And for me, I, I would like to see more qualified black men get jobs at high ranking leadership positions in the NFL, more black head coaches, more black general managers. I would like to see black women who have had such a major role in, in, in this groundbreaking historic election uh, be rewarded for what they have done. Um, and overall, I, I just want to see Black folk prosper in this administration like this administration is saying it's going to have our backs. Yeah. Because uh, after the last four years, y'all, we need it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I amen to that. I guess my, uh, you know, my wish is for like everybody on this, on this show, is to have all the projects you're working on blossom and flourish and all the aspirations you've got in your careers to just take off to levels that you couldn't even imagine and do just great and wonderful things. Uh, everybody's have great health, uh, be healthy spiritually, mentally, emotionally, financially, you know, get the money, Max, get the money, you know. But, yeah, I just like to see that. And uh, I would really love for this administration to kind of do the right thing, handle power the right way. You know, you got the Senate, you got the House, you got the presidency, you know, let's do the right thing. I hope that's not too naive. Uh, yeah, so that's what I like to see. And uh, for my brother's sake, the Bears win the Super Bowl, but that good, good luck with that. I know that's that's yeah. rough. Or, or 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 I wouldn't mind seeing Lamar Jackson lead the Ravens to a Super Bowl because I do not think that this whole black quarterback thing. I don't think that people will truly accept 
Lamar Jackson's style of play and that whole thing until he is standing there with a Lombardi trophy, being the MVP and ha having done his thing. You know, then I think his, his way, his way. Then I think people say, OK, everybody out the pool. Yeah. This is this is it. So that would, that would change a lot. Oh, trust me, man. That'd be shit. That, yeah, I think that would be the game changer. Anyway, uh, great Jason Reed. Happy New Year. Thanks very much, man. Yes. Happy Thank New Year, guys. Uh, Aaron, Jamal, everybody listening, uh, you know, uh, God bless. And we will see you next week. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube